everybody. Welcome back to the Alfie Wattam Technology Podcast. Today, we're talking Elon's Twitter takeover. Today, I'm joined by a couple of uh, panelists. But before we go into the conversation, this episode, as always, is brought to you by WeLoveAlpha.com. If you're a founder, engineering leader, recruiter, looking to scale your engineering team, then go to WeLoveAlpha.com to hire the best developers in the UK. Uh, so today, I'm joined by Arsen Karikov, who is the head of engineering at Fusey, uh, Gareth Thomas, who is a software delivery and strategy consultant at Muncie Consult and Gabor uh, Sisamak, who is the technical lead for Bailey's Interactive. Thank you all for, for joining me today. Um, so let's let's go straight into it. So at the time of recording, um, Mr. Musk has been in charge of Twitter for a couple of weeks now, maybe a few months. Um, it's definitely been a crazy acquisition um, and has dominated the headlines for the past couple of weeks. Now, um, it's quite a political situation, Twitter. You know, on one side, people are calling Elon a genius, saying that he's fighting for, for free speech. On the other side, some people are saying he's completely reckless. His actions could destroy the company. And, and it's very much the, the reverse of what the first group are saying. Um, usually these things are complicated and, and the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, but keen to explore that with, with you all today and, and get your views on in terms of what, what's happening so um if we do it kind of step by step based on on a timeline um when he took over the company pretty much the first thing he did was introduce mass layoffs um, across the board um so he fired 50 percent of all the staff um including the chief exec uh, the cfo i'm pretty sure he fired the entire board of directors um making him the the sole director at, at the company and kind of the the chief twit as he um as he changed his uh his job title to um, rather than chief exec, but I think he is chief exec by uh, structure at the moment. Um, but if we start with the firing situation, a lot of employees do feel disappointed by this. There's a lot of situations where employees have been working one day, gone to sleep, and then woke up the next morning and they've just been locked out of their work computer. Um, they've received a generic email, which has been leaked, so we can all see what it looks like. And it just says, hi, first name. Um, in many situations, the... Um, the code didn't even work, so it literally just says "hi first name" and doesn't even have their <laughs> have their actual name, um, and it's letting letting people go. Now, now Elon and his people are saying, "Look, it, it, logistically, it's just not possible to to have one to one meetings with thousands of employees and explain um, everything that's happening." So, um, we he made a lot of people let go in the way that he did. Some people are saying it was required. Twitter was losing a lot of money and it was essential. Other people are saying that um, it was kind of cold, ruthless, whatever word you want to use to, to get rid of those people. But keen to get your perspectives. Um, Gareth, if we just kick off with, with yourself, mate, what, what do you think of, of all of this? Do, do you think he was right to do it the way he did? Do you think there's some lessons that perhaps other leaders can learn from this? What, what's your view on, on how he handled the situation? Uh, I, I think you need to look at it in terms of the US situation. So the, where, where you know, I, I'm going to be very interested in what happens with the European employees and the mass payout is going to be doing for them. But it felt reckless. It felt like somebody coming in and going, I need to make a statement rather than I have a plan. So you know, the, he can't possibly admit a value judgment on all the projects in flight and all the employees before he let them go. So I'm not saying they were he was right or wrong to have sacked them. It just felt like I've turned up. I need to make something, some stir. So mm. I'm just going to sack half the people um, without even knowing so what half those people are doing. So I, I, it, it just I looked at it and thought, 
that's not that's not a tech move that's not even a a business move that is a political move that's saying yeah. it's my business i can do what i like yeah that makes sense a lot of um leaders would usually say look you join the company you learn the inner workings and then you make decisions after you you, you absorb the information he kind of did the reverse he's kind of made these decisions and now we're learning what what, what the effects are going to be um from them but it's interesting what, what you say around um, how that can affect teams you know there are a lot of teams of 20 30 people that are now three four people um they seem to be working still at the moment so um you know fingers crossed but who knows what, what that will look like in, in in a couple of months um what, what about you yourself um Gabo, what's your view on, um, um, on everything? I, I like to pay, play the devil's advocate. So obviously this move had like two two parts, the what and the how. The how was terrible. Like it's it's the same even in professional or personal relationship. It's not what you say, but how you say it. Mm. Um, I'm sure like the, the communication and honesty, at least in my management, is, is a very important key. Long-term honesty always win. You can get short-term gains with doing extra political things, um, but long-term it will it will always uh, be on the short hand. It's clear um, he wanted to get some layoffs, probably to save costs. And I think the main reason here is to do with how companies and enterprises or uh, you utilize agile nowadays. So if you think um, there's a few leaks, what kind of project was cancelled. And even though they had massive impact on the revenue stream expectedly, but if it's on flight for that long, like they didn't do the MVP right, they didn't do this and that. So I can kind of see, like together with his statement, um, he wants to steer to a faster moving company with yes. all, all its pros and cons. Uh, long, it's It's more risky, but now it's his money, his, like it's his everything on the line so he can do it and if you think about our leadership like 99 percent of leadership in it cannot do this because they need to report upwards 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 yeah. until probably a board of directors and they even report to stakeholders um so he's in a quite unique position and if you think about it he could rewrite twitter from scratch like get the same amount of money throw it to a bunch of developers and they will get pretty much the same uh, without all the historical debt, without anything. Mm. With Twitter, it's it's the name that yeah. kind of sells. So, And however bad the company is doing, if operations is doing all right, um, the company will stay. An average user who are not connected to IT, they won't leave because, oh, I hear the IT is now different, so I leave the platform. No, I'm used to it. All my follow followings and followers are here. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to move move those people around. Yeah, you're right. It is the brand. It's the the name. It's it, it's um, you, you know you can rewrite it, but you've seen a million people try to do that. Um, everything from <laughs> Truth Social to, uh, to you got other um, other examples which obviously haven't taken off in in the way that some people expected them to. Um, what's your view, Asan, on on this whole situation? Yeah, so I I do think that the in terms of the context, right? We we did hear the rumors around like all the big tech companies having the like a lot of employees that are just there getting the salary and not working their best and all those kind of things, right? And if you look at how, at at least from what we can tell, right, from the people that worked in Tesla and SpaceX, if you look how he was running those companies, it wasn't that much overstaffed, right? So I think he was going into Twitter to prove a point around like 
I think I can make it work with much less amount of people, right? And I know I can, and that's what I want to prove, right? And then I agree with the point that probably he didn't handle it in the best way scenario uh, in terms of the communication. But I do like the idea that if you look at the actions, not words, they all had uh, a good severance package, right? They had three months paid. Uh, if they wanted to leave, they had an option. Uh, I mean, you can always look at the people who are on visas that cannot leave easily, sure. and it, it's a bad problem, right? But I don't know how to solve this one necessarily, right? So it's it's more of a government issue how the visas are uh, managed rather than the tech problem. Uh, I do think that he's proving that they don't need that many people. Uh, and if they're going to keep uh, Twitter alive, right, with this like 20% of the employees that they had before, right, I think it's going to be a shift in the tech around like how much you want to hire. And that's what we're going to see in the next few years. Like if this is going to work, then the majority of people are going to move towards like, I don't think we need to overpay yeah, uh, and hire that many people because with less, we can actually do more or at least uh, make our business profitable, right? Because I think we we were in the period where the growth was the only thing that mattered, right? Whereas now it's more like, can you actually do the business that makes you money, right? Yes. And yeah. I think now it's actually getting to the place where he wants to show it that like Twitter can be profitable with this change. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's the main thing that I took. I had um, uh, Rua Perez on the podcast recently who helped build a company called Sphere, which was acquired by Twitter. And he was very much of the opinion um, that they have way too many staff and um, and probably the same could be said for, for Meta and, and Snapchat. And that is part of the reason why we might be seeing these, these mass layoffs in, in big tech at the moment. Um, okay, so after, after Elon fired half the company, or whatever it was, um, after a few days of being in charge, he then sent an email around to, to, to the rest of the employees, right? And he gave the remaining employees a choice, basically. He said, look, either stay at Twitter and we're going to get rid of flexible working. You're going to have to be in the office full time, no more working from home, or you can leave the company and it will pay you, I think it was three months severance pay, which is quite generous if, if, you, if you consider it. Um, now, this email caused thousands of employees um, to, to quit, um, which I probably could have predicted. <laughs> um and some people are questioning Elon's views on remote working. Um, I get it. If you're building rockets, if you're trying to do these impossible tasks, sometimes getting people to, together and pushing everybody like crazy is a great and a very effective way of doing it. And um, Twitter's culture is obviously not that. It hasn't been that for a long time. So that, that transition is going to take a long time for them to do. But what are all your your thoughts on this? You know, do you think he is right to, to make everyone come to the office? Do you think there should be some hybrid working? Do you think um, getting rid of fully remote is is a bad thing? Keen to get your your views on on remote working and and, and that subject. So, um, uh, Gabor, can we, can we start with your yourself, please? Yep. Um, so, remote work is is hot topic nowadays. I think every company will will just need to figure figure itself. Um, I do believe. It's a huge power for for salary negotiations. Um, honestly, my current deal—I started working remotely before COVID, so I'm sure. yeah. I'm very unique. I I felt really privileged. I needed to prove myself day by day, and now it's nearly everyone's privilege. So, a bit of time in the office actually makes sense if you don't have the the proper tools to mon monitor the people. Sure. Um, if you allow all the kinds of freedom to people um that's great but then you need to measure their performance somehow and many companies don't don't have that if you look at how review cycles are done etc 
And on one hand, we think think about, oh, the teams need to work together. Uh, we do pair programming, mob programming. Uh, yet, on the other hand, we do reviews individually. Mm. So this is a very hard thing. Um, Mary Poppendick has lots of lots of great articles in this. Um, I recommend anyone who listens to this podcast uh, just Google her if you're not familiar with mm-hmm. with her. So if you if you're rating individuals, then you need to have um, some like the the individuals checked. And if you're rating teams, then you might you might be better off. But that's again something like such a complex topic. Um, I would say two more podcast episodes could be filled with it. <laughs> um, and also, it depends on what was in their original contracts. Many employees started five days of work, but some employees who've been hired due, during the pandemic might have something else. Um, obviously, the contracts are the more more obliged. So if there's nothing on the policy, even though it's advertised, well, it's a big change. Um, but you will have no way to enforce. Um, it's yeah. not a kind move for for your own own employees to to change the policy so drastically and without any any asking around. You know, checking how they feel like um, some preventive measures probably as well. Um, but if that's decided, then the message is clear. This was their choice. I'm sure. Anyone with Twitter on their CV can can find an alternative quite easily, and yeah. if they just command F or Control F for remote work policies in in any job offer, they will be easy to filter. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, interesting to see if other companies will follow suit in uh, Elon's strategy with, with this, but um, perhaps not given uh, given the backlash um, from from certain um, numbers of people. Um, uh, Arsen, what, what what's your view on uh, on this whole situation? Uh, I do think that I think hybrid is the best way to handle this. And it depends really on the company. Like, obviously, depending on what you do, you might need to have in-person interactions or remote interactions. But my, my take is that if you're doing some sort of collaboration with the whiteboard, uh, you're brainstorming some ideas. I do think that being all in the office creates this magic where you can bounce the ideas much more easier because it's very easy for you to just turn off your camera and switch off when you're at home. Um and then if you're in person, then it's like you, you don't have any other way but to be engaged, right? Uh, and then there are tasks that are, you have to have like full focus on and you don't want to have any noise in the office to basically focus on them, right? So I do think there is, depending on what you're doing, you would prefer uh, either stay at home or work from the office, right? Uh, I do think that with Twitter specifically, there was one exception around the exceptional performance. Uh, yes, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, if you're an exceptional performer, then you can basically work from home uh, or remote, right? Um, I do find it a good idea, but as long as it's clear to everyone, what does it mean, right? It, it can create quite a like a critical bias around like what's the good performances, right? Uh, so as long as it's well-defined and you can have this criteria where it's fair, uh, you can have the reviews and basically you have some people who decide like is the uh, top managers who basically approve this type of uh, sure. uh, remote work. I do find it a, as a good idea. I do think that some people, like if, if you're a junior engineer, you're just starting your career, I do think it's much more valuable for you to be in the office and be surrounded by the engineers yeah. where you can just ask. Stuff, right? But if you're a senior engineer with a family and you know what you're doing and you're quite isolated on your task, right? I don't see any harm of you being remote, right? Um, so yeah, I think it's a it's situational, but that's usually how I separate those. Okay. 
I'd, I'd agree having hybrid probably is the way to go. Um, probably if you're if the, the less experienced you are, the, the more you want to spend to it around in, in person with other people. But um, that obviously goes away a little bit as you as you begin to know what you're doing. Um, Gareth, what's what's your point of view? It, it's agreement with everyone else, really. I mean, but to me, to me there, there, there are organizations which are high performing and remote and organizations are high performing and in the office yeah. and they almost self-select, you know, so you build a high performing remote organization or you build a high performing in-person organization. And over the last few years, I've been focusing on remote because I'm, I generally focus on businesses in parts of the UK. It's been hard to hire into, yeah. and it's been a massive benefit to me to hire remote devs because it makes life a lot easier. And also, we do a lot of outsourcing in the teams I've been working with and that makes outsourcing useful. So I've got teams in Hungary and Romania and they work really, really well with our local teams because it's remote. Mm. And, but that's a choice. So we make that choice. What's obviously happened, you know, Elon's got his own view, his own culture, which is in person and he's forcing that on that organization. And it is a choice and it is a cultural thing and you can make both work. And he's gone, my culture is this, if you don't like it, yeah. you can go somewhere else and that's almost that's that's fine i mean that, that, you know, i think generally that's fine you set the culture you want and then you build the team around that culture yeah yeah in many ways he's um you could argue that he's done what he's done intentionally to to get rid of the people who are not bought into into the mission and, and into him as a person there's been situations where people have uh twitter employees have tweeted him um negative comments people disagreeing with him publicly and he's just canned them and got and got, and got rid of them um, which some people would say is is not the right thing to do other people would say look those people clearly aren't bought into the vision and um, so why why would why is there any point in having them around in the company and, and he'll pay for them to, to, to leave he'll give them notice so um you know there is there is both sides to, to the argument Hey, I'm interrupting this podcast really quickly to let you know about an exclusive promotion we are running now at Alpha Technology Recruitment. If you're looking to hire software engineers in the UK, then drop us an email right away and mention code podcast in the message. This will give you a special discount on all of your recruitment fees and allow you to scale your software engineering team much faster. Visit weloveAlpha.com for details. Link is in the description. Um, so, it's, look, Twitter's obviously lost a lot of their employees, and, and, and it's a smaller company than what it was, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, some people are saying they'll be absolutely fine; they don't need all those staff. Other people are saying, can this company survive? You know, we've seen Friendster, MySpace, um, other social media platforms completely fail. It's not impossible for, for Twitter to um, to become something that um, ceases to, to exist in, in the future. Um, I know Elon's even said that they might go go bankrupt. That that, that might be a, a PR move. And and when when it's all turned around, it's an incredible story to tell. Um, but look, keen to get your your perspective. Are any of you concerned about? Twitter imploding, or, or, or do you think it's going to be fine in, in, in the long run? Um, Arsen, if we, we start with yourself, um, will we have a Twitter in, in a year from now? <laughs> I, I think it's a, I don't, I don't know. And I think it's interesting because of the, uh, like, if you would ask me, would Twitter be able to get where it is uh, with the company, like with the number of people in the company right now, mm. uh, I would say yes, right? But they would start from scratch, right? That, that's one thing. Like, when you start, from the beginning and you you're good on hiring and you're know how to address the, the the code right you don't deal with the legacy that someone else owned 
hundred percent, right? I don't think Twitter needs to be that big, right? I don't think it's that complicated of a problem to have that many people as they have. Uh, the question right now is more around like, can can they basically survive without uh, some people that know some legacy code around it? I I do think they can, and I think they've proven it. I don't, I think it's gonna get easier and easier afterwards because I think what Elon is doing is attracting the talent that's liking the kind of challenge. Um, which again, you might not like it. I'm not saying I'm up for it, but it, it does bring the people that just want to go hardcore 24 seven. I want to make this work. I want to get the the status around. Like I was one of those engineers who made it work with uh, like yes. much better people, right? And one thing that I, I want to highlight that I do really like is that I think respect cannot be bought, right? And I do think that what Elon does is he's in the office as well, right? Like yes. if you would have tell, told me like, I want hardcore engineers. I want people working 24 seven, sleeping in the office, but you were somewhere else and you were not doing your part. Obviously I would say no, uh, especially if you give me a three months package, right? Uh, but just because he he's in there, he has his skin in the game. I do find it attractive in terms of like what the CEO is about, right? I do think that he built a, a nice way around. We all align on this vision. We're all hardcore. We want to make this work. And I'm the first person who's going to be here. And again, I might be biased because I just see what's what people posted on Twitter. So maybe it's not maybe it's not true. Maybe he's not there every day. I don't know. I don't have anyone who works on Twitter. But if that's the case, I do find it marvel. I, I do find it as a what the true leader should do, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my thing. He, he definitely practices what he preaches. I, th- I think that's that's fair to say. And he you know what walks the talk. Um, I mean, you know, he he sleeps in in the office on on the floor and under his desk, and he does it intentionally. He puts his desk in the center of the um of the floor, so all the developers around can can walk in and see him there and and leave. And um, you know, some people would disagree. Work life balance. Other people that that are a little bit more obsessed with with the work side would say that's um that's kind of the sign of a of a leader, really. Um, what what's your view, Gareth, on um? what will happen i suppose in in the next few months year with with, with twitter what, what's your perspective i i think twitter's going to be fine because the no let's be honest it's it's elon and, and actually there's a thing that scares me but we'll probably get onto that later but there is you know, it's elon so people will go and work for him sure. you no know, he divides people so i wouldn't because i like having a family life and balance whereas other people will go yeah. i want to work for elon and they'll do it so he will recruit people Twitter is a different company now and Twitter are delivering things. So you, know, you don't lose that many people and then carry on developing what you were developing before. So they're now delivering a new roadmap. And, you know, I was thinking when we were talking earlier, um, my, my last company, we had a team of 50, yeah. but I could probably have run it on five. Yeah. It's the 50 were doing new development work. I could probably keep it going with just five of them. Yeah. So losing, losing that many developers is not that big a problem if you just want to keep the thing running and then put new projects in yeah my concern would be you know like arson said who's walked out the door mm. you know if if you've got all of your infrastructure engineers who know how their clusters work have left then there could be rolling outages they will recover they will rebuild it they can you know it, you know there's no such thing as software that can't be worked out probably the big existential threat is an outage that lasts for several days because sure. it's a complex thing and, and the user base leaves. That's their biggest one. But good, well-engineered systems, and Twitter seems to be a well-engineered system from the way it's sticking up, it's going to keep going and people yeah. are going to keep using it and they'll hire new people. 
but you know they it will be doing working on new things and the direction will be different it'll be a different twitter yeah yeah i think that he's already put out a roadmap in terms of some areas he wants to uh, to to add and innovate uh, talking about adding crypto as uh, as a payment um system um, which is crazy but 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 interesting to, to to see he's made nfts an option for people's profile pictures now obviously everyone knows about the blue tick and, and the verification which um spectacularly failed when it was introduced with uh with, with companies being hijacked it seems like they've relaunched it recently and it, and it seems to be um a better system with a gray tick for governments and a uh gold tick for for companies i, I believe um as well as the blue for individuals obviously um Gabo, what, what what's your view on um on if twitter will, will survive everything that's been happening I, I've just been Googling the, the Google trends in the background. So Twitter is, is much more stable compared to, to Facebook or Meta. Um, I think with a Twitter-like platform, it's an aggregator platform. There's no new content being created usually. Um, or if it, if it is, then there's alternate sources as, as always. Sure. So I think it's about managing that community. And the community will not have that much impact from from this, these actions alone. Um, if you imagine MySpace 20 years ago, everyone used it. There was no, well, maybe not 20, but still, um, there was no clear indicator in, indicator that it will it will fail or flop. But mm. then uh, new things come around, and I think many of the of the technology we use after that, let's say the 2010s with with iPhones and everything i think now every everything been pretty much invented so coming up with something brand new that will make people leave twitter is extremely hard if you look at trends the be real application got sure quite popularity and it it's it's a brilliant idea uh, but still very very far from the critical mass so i think twitter is in a very robust position that even days of outages wouldn't wouldn't budge very yeah. much, um, and then the question then comes: How do you grow the sure. same product? Because that that will become hard as well. I think it kind of reached the plateau of what's it's useful for, what's it's used for, um, and then you need to you need to basically get all the advertisements work for you in this platform, yeah. and that. It is the hardest bit and yeah. all the back office for the content creators to support every integration, etc. Uh, Twitter was growing big because of, of their open API system. Uh, it was very good. And then uh, now I think a few years ago, there was some changes, you know, blocking third party clients. I think that pretty much had a bigger impact in, on Twitter usage than, than what we see now. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think you're, you're right in terms of the stability and in, in the respect that I think it's, it's all time usage at the moment. Um, you know, there's never been a time where there's just been this many active users, this many tweets, that all the um, the charts are going in the right direction. But with the exception of advertising, which is um, which is going down, I think given how political everything is happening right now, a lot of brands are kind of scared to um, to spend money on it. I think Apple, one of the biggest customers, spending millions um, every day and, and have now stopped completely as, as far as I'm 
aware, um, or, or at least significantly scaled back, um, which created a little bit of a feud recently between uh, Elon and, uh, and and Tim Cook. Um, all right, if, if we finish up with, I suppose, the future of, of the platform, um, Elon's made it pretty clear that his vision is to create a super app where you can basically do everything within Twitter, um, kind of like WeChat in, in China would, would be the closest thing. Um, so he's calling it Twitter 2.0. Um, I think, you know, you can't change much about Twitter in terms of the core functionality. You, you post, you read messages, etc. But he's trying to add a little bit more to this where he wants to add um, proper video functionality where creators can get paid. So he's taking on YouTube. He wants to include um, long form tweets. So he's taking on blogging platforms where it will no, no longer be a, a micro blogging. It'll be you can actually post full messages. Um, he wants to integrate crypto payments. So he's taking on you know the banking system and, and, and so much more. So that, that's his vision with, with Twitter 2.0. Um, keen to get each of your opinions on on you know if that's a good thing if if that will work if you think he's he's trying to you know uh, swallow more than he can he can chew and, and that sort of thing um gareth what what's your perspective on on the future of, of the platform um that's where i'm worried i think because we we all get very excited about twitter because Twitter is aimed at us, but actually, in terms of social media, it's it's the niche player. Mm. It, you know, it's it's not. You know, you look at the Facebook and and YouTube and TikTok and fa- Twitter's this little thing, but yeah. tech people love it and teachers love it. There's these small communities that are in there, and they they are what. You know, that's why we get excited about it because it's our playground and somebody's messing around in our playground. I always worry when people try to change a product substantially and maybe lose sight of what made that product good and why people wanted to use it. This is where things like MySpace fall over, when they try to pivot from what they were, what everyone liked, to what was new. So it's going to be be interesting. And And those of us who live in sort of the strategy and the process world are watching it really closely now going is this going to work because right. the the chance to completely torpedo its own user base and make everyone go somewhere else is very high i mean mm. you've already got tech moving to mastodon yes. because it works quite nicely for techie users whereas you know certain other niche people will stay where they are but do they stay because they like the short form do they stay because they like that stream will the new features actually detract rather than a pickup so it's it's going to be interesting and you know yeah he's he's probably right because he seems to get things right a lot of the time but we shall find out <laughs> he, he does so far he does um it's an interesting observation around um the potential risks of adding too much stuff which isn't about the core product and we, we saw this with facebook how they rebranded to meta and you know they've gone from a trillion in value to 300 billion in less than a year mark zuckerberg going from the third richest man to not even in the top 10 rich uh, list anymore in, in the space of a year i mean poor him i'm sure he's still got plenty of money but um we, we see how this could go wrong if it's um not done right but then also you're right gareth this could go the other way you know twitter is, is a tiny player compared to the revenue of, of, of apple or, 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 or meta or whoever so if they if they figured this out, boom, you could be looking at a company worth five, ten, you know, a lot more than, than what he bought it at. Um, what's your view, um, Gabor, on, on the future of, of Twitter, please? Yeah, um, so on your phone, there's only only a handful of applications that, that's shared across 
or the US market, because let's be honest, the US market is is talking. Europe is very scattered. Sure. If you do anything, you need to start in the US market. And if you want to do something like WeChat, then Twitter is a great brand and it already has a great user base. So if you onboard new features that will be convenient, that, that would work. But it's so hard. So many stars need to align. So even if you, you would do 100%, there's still 90% risk that it will flop because of the nature of the things. People are used to their, their own day-to-day life, how they pay with Apple Pay, etc. And if you want to integrate with, with everything else, it would be a very good tool set for Twitter. A, a WeChat-like approach would definitely work. And the question is how to move all these mi- hundreds of millions of people over to start actually using it yeah. versus something they already have. I, I would say 5 10%. It will be a blockbuster, and the rest is just, okay, we tried it. Maybe, maybe, yeah. If certain features will take off, some ones um, will, will die a quick death. There's a website um, which Google um, released, I think it's called it the Google Graveyard or something, where you can see all of their products which they've tried to release, which haven't made it. But then again, you know, then again, you get Google Maps occasionally, or you get, you know, um, YouTube, as opposed to like Google Glass or something, which didn't, didn't quite have legs. Um, okay, what well, what's your view, Asen, to, to, to finish us off? What do you think um, of the future of the platform? Do you think Elon's strategy will, will work or, or do you think it might backfire? I mean, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't work because we already have an example where it works, right? We have the WeChat in Asia working with all... Like, and I also, I think the trend that we see right now is also people want to have less and less apps in place, mm. right? Every time you, you release an app, you have the hesitancy, like, I don't want to download another app that does kind of similar thing. I think that's one of the blockers around the downloads of Be Real uh, and all those, like, another social network, right? Uh, and it takes a lot of time for actually to convince large user base to move there, right? Because of the fact that, like, I already have one, I don't want to have another one, right? So I, I do see the benefit of having everything in one place. Uh, I do think, based on what he says, it's more... Uh, I think his vision is more on the global market. So if he wants to integrate crypto, and again, we can speculate on which cryptocurrency he has, actually wants to have there. Uh, but I do think the idea is that you can provide value to the content creators and you can pay them globally, right? So that's the idea of expanding not just US, Europe, but just everywhere, right? You're taking the whole market share, right? Um, so I do think it's a smart idea. And based on what he says, I do think there is it's valuable features, right? Having the DMs with the protocol of Signal, I think it's a good idea. Having a cryptocurrency just to pay everyone and not basically. Because um, again, I'm coming from Ukraine, right? So I can see that there is a value around getting to the global market and not just, yeah. right? There is an idea of, I want give to give it, give it to everyone, right? Everyone can access everyone online. And it's kind of based on what he says, right? Even the, um, the thing that he says about bots, the thing that he says about the freedom of speech, uh, the moderation, all those kind of things, it kind of tends to be like this transparent free internet communication type of place where everyone can just reach to anyone uh, and just communicate, right? And then we can <clears throat> speculate around uh, like the political issues, but I do think that what he's pushing for, besides the, the Twitter files and all those kind of things around, like you can see if you're shadow banned, you can appeal. I do find those ideas uh Quite cool, right? The transparency is the key, right? If you can understand why you were shut abandoned or like yeah. your status, I do find it a useful feature, right? If it's transparent, if I, can, I broke some sort of the rules and I can see why, I do find it there. Um, so yeah, I would 
I don't know if it's going to work, but my money would be on the fact that it will. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Interesting um, observations there around kind of the, the bots. I know he he tweeted out the other day that um, there's going to be millions and millions of accounts deleted in the next couple of hours to uh, to get rid of people that have fake accounts and active accounts. And obviously that was his big spiel during the acquisition and why he tried to pull out and um, and everything else. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right around the shadow banning as well. I think he's going to be making a feature soon where you can see if you've been shadow banned or, or not, which is shadow banning is the weirdest thing ever because um, you can't tell anybody that you've been shadow banned because they won't believe you. They'll just think that nobody's interested in your uh, <laughs> in your content, whatever you're making. Um, it, so it sounds like more like an excuse, but if uh, it'll be interesting to see how many people have been shadow banned and if it's um if it's been targeted at a group or if it's just um individuals or into it you can just click on somebody and then boom and you know their their reach is, is down 90 percent um Cool. All right. Well, look, thank you all for, for coming on. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. We need more time to dissect um, the, the these kind of topics. So perhaps we could do a part two um, in a few months after the, the dust has settled and, and that sort of thing. But but thank you all for coming on. Um, really good to get your perspective. Thank you to people for listening and watching as well. If you're not already, make sure that you're followed, subscribed, et cetera, et cetera. And then we will see you in the next episode. Thank you very much. Imagine if you were able to hire the next Elon Musk. Or if you got a job at Facebook, back when it was just a startup. Well, these people and these opportunities, they are still out there. And we have access to them. Access to all of them. At Alpha Technology, we specialize in software development recruitment across London and the UK. From React to Java to C Sharp and more, we represent the best front end, back end, and full stack engineers on the market. This includes top developers from Meta, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, and more. Our clients operate across AI, blockchain, VR, AR, fintech, edtech, healthtech, and more. From startups to global enterprises and everything in between. But Alpha isn't just a recruitment agency. We are also a tech community. We host podcasts, run meetup events, and lead EDI initiatives, supporting women in technology, BAME individuals, and the tech for good ecosystem. So, if you're a company looking to hire software engineers, or if you're a developer open to new opportunities yourself, then we are here to help. Alpha Technology. Recruiting for the future.